is the Round Robin Diplomacy Podcast, starting the week off with our political lens on Israel. I'm your host, Adi DeBaker. So naturally, by even bringing up the conversation of Israel, I'm going to infuriate some people on the left and right, or depending on someone's background and worldview, get some of the information in this episode critically wrong. This is going to be the case whenever I talk about India or Pakistan, Korea or Japan, or any other partnership in a tense region. Let me just say that the content of this episode has been double-checked and is based on up-to-date reporting from established news sources. I'm happy to include these in the show notes. Again, the focus of the show is to give the listener a specific view of a country through its political, business, and sports life. Ideally, if you're here, you're open to learning more about a country beyond what the media gives you. So today's focus is on how Israel has navigated tough diplomatic waters in the Middle East with expert skill. There's no better way to describe Israel's position geopolitically other than constantly on edge. It is surrounded by neighbors who have at one point been overtly hostile to it, are currently hostile, or at best unsympathetic. But all of that is changing since the end of the Obama and Trump administrations. Israel, due to its religion and access to some of the holiest Abrahamic sites in the Levant, has intense relationships with its Muslim neighbors. Israel has been at war or in a ceasefire with the Palestinian regions in the Levant since its creation in 1948. In fact, most of its Arab Muslim neighbors joined together against Israel in the 1947 and 1949 War of Independence. Since then, varying neighbors have sought ceasefires or treaties, like Jordan or Egypt. Palestine is not one of those neighbors that has given up the fight, most pertinently because of settlements, foreign aid to Israel, and a lack of consistent central leadership. Because of the last fact, many Arab Muslim neighbors in the area are extremely hesitant to start formal dialogue with Israel, even though they don't wish to attack Israel any longer. You'll likely need a few months to really dive into the 70-year history that is Israel-Middle East relations. Eight wars later, and Israel is still just as on edge with a few of its neighbors. But with 70 years of development, it has leapfrogged its neighbors as well, and competes with heavy hitters on the world stage. This has made all the difference for its neighbors because the cost-benefit analysis of being antagonistic to Israel is starting to become too costly. So what does this have anything to do with Obama or Trump? The JCPOA and its cancellation by Trump is another factor into why Israel is gaining the support of its Arab neighbors. More often than not, Arab Sunni nations in the Gulf have had two enemies for 70 years, Israel and Iran, as the latter opposes Sunni rule and has in recent decades been a disruptor in regional politics. If Iran pursues nuclear capabilities, which is what the JCPOA was designed to limit in exchange for removing sanctions, Arab nations will automatically do everything to deter a nuclear Iran. But the alternative is to limit Iran's nuclear capabilities in exchange for heightened economic activity and power, which is also a threat to the Arab oil business and global oil trade as well. The Arab Sunni nations can't have it both ways, but it found that Israel is opposed to both as well. So in late 2020, President Trump got the nations of Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Israel 
to sign a joint declaration of formal relations called the Abraham Accords. This is unprecedented. The Palestinian cause was disregarded completely by these two Arab signatories, which reverses 70 years of geopolitical struggle for the Palestinians and the beneficiaries, in this case the Israelis. Of course, the Abraham Accords had a major asterisk attached to it. Who was going to lead the United States and Israel just a year later? Both nations had a leader under legal attack and with major opposition parties rallying against them. The US came up with Joseph Biden by November 2020, and Israel came up with Naftali Bennett in June 2021. How America would approach future relations with Israel was up in the air, so Israel took matters into its own hands. In December 2021, Bennett and the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed of the UAE discussed three major issues in their first official meeting. The two countries seek to become respective hubs for trade and tech in the region, and Tel Aviv will collaborate closely with Dubai on several innovation and tech-related events and financial deals that will start to unfold. More importantly, they discussed Iran and the U.S.'s negotiations with Iran on nuclear capabilities. Later in December 2021, Morocco celebrated a one-year anniversary of renewed diplomatic relations with Israel. For those that don't know, Morocco is a place of ancestry for many Jews who returned to Israel in 1948. According to some figures, more than one million Jews in Israel are Sephardic and trace their ancestry back to Morocco. The King of Morocco saw the Abraham Accords as a unique opportunity to note that it was the first country to recognize the U.S., and eager to establish trade and tourism connections with the nation that shares many ties with this population. Sudan also joined in with Morocco to recognize Israel, but it's preoccupied with the civil war. In February 2022, Bennett met with the Bahraini king and crown prince and discussed tourism, trade, and regional security as well. More importantly, Israel made a defense pact and stationed an Israeli naval officer along with the U.S. 5th Fleet stationed in Bahrain. Furthermore, Israel has conducted joint naval drills with the UAE and Bahrain, and on a more informal but eye-opening level with Saudi Arabia and Oman in the Red Sea since 2020. So far, Naftali Bennett and Yari Lapid have been busy going on their diplomatic spree to change opinions and gain support from former antagonistic neighbors. Still, a third key member of the new administration, Isaac Herzog, the president, which is a ceremonial role, has single-handedly deepened Israeli-Turkish relationships as well. Apparently, Herzog and Erdogan get along really well, and both are well-versed in each other's country-to-country -country relations and trade. This is an unexpected win for Israel, since Erdogan is known globally as an abrasive, whimsical leader. The two countries have a similar view of Russia, seek to deepen tourism between the two countries and trade relations which currently stands at 6 billion, and have a vested interest in what happens in Syria, which is situated between the two countries. Speaking of Russia, I chose to cover Israel this week in part because the media would be covering Ukraine and Russia without end, and rightfully so. I wanted to give the viewers an idea of what's going on now that's not being covered by traditional media. But this week it seems that I have no choice to talk about Ukraine and Russia, because both happen to be key Israeli partners. Both the United States and Russia have conveyed to Israel that the Ukraine-Russia crisis is not of strategic importance to Israel, 
and that they have every right to sit this one out. Even though Israel agreed and instructed its cabinet to stay out of commenting on the issue, Israel cannot just ignore that Russia gives them strategic advantage over the crisis in Syria, and Ukraine and Russia hold large Jewish populations and business interests for Israeli tech companies. Although not a direct strategic interest, Israel has acted as an intermediary, although some reports say that there is some diplomatic dialogue going on in between embassies in Israel, since the US and Russia see obvious strategic overlap over Israel. So to recap, Israel has had 70 years of war with its neighbors in an on and off capacity. However, since the JCPOA and the Abraham Accords, a lot of the strategic balance in the Middle East has shifted towards Israel's favor, with many Sunni Arab nations spearheading this rebalance. To date, Bahrain, the UAE, Morocco, and Sudan are regional Muslim neighbors who recognized and started to engage diplomatically with Israel, setting up treaties and embassies. Israel is deepening relationships and ties with established partners, both in an informal and formal setting, with naval exercises, pacts, and ongoing discussions about trade and tourism. Israel is also wary of punching too far above its weight, although its stakes in Ukraine and Russia are too high to ignore. So if you want to hear more, check out our business and finance episode on Israel later this week. I appreciate you listening in, and I hope you share this podcast with people who could use this format. Word of mouth and Twitter is how we grow, and I hope you tune in soon.